0: So as you've uh, figured out, today we are celebrating Palm Sunday. So this is the day that ushers in Holy Week, and it's one of the happiest Sundays in the church year, even given its proximity to Easter, our biggest, happiest celebration. The music for Palm Sunday is pretty awesome. Um, if you tuned into the 8.30 service or if you get a chance after, tune into the 8.30 service and you'll hear the song, All Glory, Laud and Honour, which we only ever sing on Palm Sunday. There's a lot of praise, there's a lot of hosannas happening throughout the service, throughout the readings, and in past, we'd have had ferns or crosses, palm crosses to wave around, and in weather, nice weather permitting, we might have even had a procession around the church. But we're not together, so we're not doing that, and even if we were, chances are we wouldn't be processing around the church today, given the weather. But still, this is a day of celebration, Palm Sunday is one of those festivals that always struck me as being the wedding before the marriage or the graduation before the start of a career. Everything is new and exciting and the future looks bright and promising and the whole world is before you and everything is going to be great. You can be pretty sure that everything won't always work out okay There will be some hard and bumpy bits in the middle um, and after the initial excitement the real work begins but in the end it's all going to be worth it. So on this day Jesus is coming into Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover. Now Jesus had been to Jerusalem before. Um, The temple was the center of Jewish worship, and that was in Jerusalem. So it was not uncommon for Jesus or anyone to come into Jerusalem for a major festival. In past, he would have arrived and left without too much commotion. At least nothing was ever written about it. Not like we see this time. So this time when Jesus arrives... He doesn't just walk in with his companions and disciples. He chooses to go and get a donkey and ride in on a donkey. Now, in all of Jesus' previous travels around the countryside that we've read about and learned about, there's never any mention of a donkey. Jesus doesn't ride a donkey. Jesus doesn't have a donkey to carry his stuff. So he didn't have a donkey to ride in. He actually had to go and find a donkey to use. Something that belonged to someone else. Well, why a donkey? Why go to the trouble of finding a donkey? Why not, with you're in this crowd, why not just have your followers make some space? And then walk in and wave like you're at a parade, you know, so everybody can see you. Or... Your followers are all pretty strong guys. They've been fishermen. Why not get Peter and James and John and Andrew to just pick you up and carry you in on your shoulders like you're royalty, like you're someone special, like you're a conquering hero? Why not do that? Why go and find a donkey and ride in on a donkey? I've heard, um, I've heard sermons talk about this. I've been involved in discussions where people talk about the why of a donkey. Well, the answer I'm going to give is pretty simple. Jesus used a donkey because a prophet said so. Specifically, the prophet was Zechariah. Zechariah is one of those books of the Old Testament, one of those prophets that's Uh, right near the end, and probably not one we've heard of so much. What he said actually was, Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Jesus is riding a donkey because it was written by one of the prophets, that the king would come riding on a donkey. Jesus arrives, and the crowd starts shouting, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. That's a quote from a psalm, from Psalm 118. The psalms are writings that associated with King David. They are also historical writings of the Jewish people. The people are shouting a phrase at Jesus they associate with a king, with their King David. It is a proper response to the the man who is coming on a donkey as it was written that the king would come. John, the writer of the gospel, knows what the donkey means and knows what the words of the people mean. It is likely that the people or some of the people in the crowd knew that also. It was what they're doing is they're interpreting their current events in light of their past, in light of their scripture. It's what we do. The people knew Jesus from before. They knew him as a healer. They knew him as a miracle worker. They knew him as someone who taught scripture with authority. They saw him enter on a donkey and remembered a piece of prophecy that the king would come riding on a donkey. They responded with shouts of praise to a king, quoting a line of a psalm. Now, when Zechariah wrote that prophecy, did he know he was writing about Jesus? Well, I don't know his mind. But I would say probably not. When I was preparing to write this, I actually read that, and then I followed along a little ways. And Zechariah is actually pretty specific about who is going to be defeated and how they are going to be defeated. So he's pretty specific. Now, was the writer of the psalm anticipating Jesus riding into Jerusalem? Jerusalem. Again, I don't know what was in his mind, but I'm guessing probably not, because the Psalms are pretty much centered around David, their greatest king, and the king that was current at the time. Did the people who were watching Jesus ride into Jerusalem, shouting a line from a psalm, know that in a few days, another line from that same psalm Was going to be lived out? Did they know that this man they were praising would be the stone that they rejected? Did they know that this man would become the cornerstone of God's kingdom? The stone that the builders rejected would become the cornerstone. Did they know that? did they know he would become the cornerstone of a religion that would last at least another 2000 years i don't think they knew that either did they know that this man that they were hailing as king was also would be written about in scriptures that he would be part of the writings of the great prophet isaiah that this was the suffering servant? Did they know that Jesus would be despised and rejected and acquainted with pain? Did they know that he would be led like a lamb to the slaughter? They probably didn't know that. Did they know, as a result of prophecy that Jesus would cry out the words of another psalm, Psalm 22, my God, my God, why have you rejected me? They probably didn't know that either. The disciples, the followers, the crowd, the people in that Palm Sunday were looking at events through the lens of their present they don't know what is to come. They only know what is happening and what has happened in the past. The signs were there. The signs had been written and now the king had come. 2,000 years have passed since that day. As time moves on, we see how God's plan played out in that day. We see how it played out in the week following. We see how it played out in the days after that and through history. We look back and see that God promised Abraham that all the peoples on earth would be blessed through him and that he would be the father of many nations. We see that God raised up one of Abraham's descendants, David, the son of Jesse of Bethlehem to be king of Israel. And finally, from David's line, came Jesus of Nazareth. Of course, the story did not begin or end with the birth of Jesus. It didn't even begin or end with his death and resurrection. As John, the writer of that gospel, knows, uh, in particular because he likes to do this, He reminds us that God's plan for humanity, which was revealed in Jesus, has been in place for all time. From the outset of that gospel, we see that Christ was present at the beginning of creation. When we hear those words that we usually only hear at Christmas, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. Christ was our salvation from the beginning. And he's not only the story of Jesus, it's not only history. That same writer, John, is also credited with writing the book of Revelation. We didn't read anything from the book of Revelation today, but in each service, we had songs talking about the lion and the lamb, an image straight out of the book of Revelations. Jesus is the one who is worthy to stand before God's throne at the end of time. Jesus is our past. We see him through history, from creation, through the Old Testament patriarchs, through the prophets, through the law. We see his footprint through history. This is the Jesus that lived and died and was resurrected in the first century Judea when we saw his presence. After his resurrection, he lived on through his apostles, through martyrs, through uh, evangelists, through the church, through history, as he was revealed to people through time. And Jesus is our present jesus is still with us today as our king triumphant the one who has brought us into relationship with god jesus the bridge between our humanity and god's divinity that is the jesus of our day our now jesus too is our future jesus is the one who will be with us as we move through our lives Jesus will be the lens through which we study Scripture and we interpret events of our lives. Jesus will be the one revealing himself, revealing God, and our own place in the divine purpose. And Jesus will be with us to the end of time. Not only our time, but all time. The one standing before God. Jesus was the word at creation, Jesus is the king of our hearts, and Jesus is the lamb of the eternal God. So, on this day, let us say, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord! Hosanna in the highest! Amen.